Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, it's Ian, Reed, and Joa. Justin O'Donnell is with us, one of the hosts of Free State Live, the once-a-week show that I think you were on. I was on, yeah. Uh, Not the last one, the second one. On the Free State Project channel on Odyssey and YouTube, and also the host of Subversive with Justin O'Donnell. Justin, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Turns out you're also an author now, in addition to all of the other activist duties that you have uh, taken on. You were recently general manager of the uh, uh, Jeremy Kaufman campaign for U.S. Senate. Prior to that, you ran for the very same seat a couple years prior, and now you've written a book that I'm I'm a big fan of. I mean, it was... You had a good start, right? Like, you had the 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, the original 101 Reasons from, like, 22 years ago or something yeah, like that, not, or 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, they're not there yet. That, uh, that started you out on this project, yeah. but you've done an updated 2022 version of this list. What inspired you? Um, I, actually, it was watching the original movie, like, right after I first moved, and I, I've told you before, I never moved. I did not move to New Hampshire for the Free State Project. I moved to New Hampshire for kind of political refugee reasons and then when i met my neighbors when i first moved and they told me about the free state project and my neighbors were the creams who ran nhla at the time and Mm -hmm. uh, i just ended up falling in love with the community uh but then i started to like get more involved over time and uh watching the old movie which is it's a decent movie uh for the time and reading the old list which Still to this day, when we look at people coming in, moving for the Free State Project, is one of the most cited reasons for why people move. Sure. And it's so outdated. <laughs> like, there's so so much on the list that's just not relevant anymore. Things that have gotten mm-hmm. better yeah. because of people like the Free State Project. And if that outdated list that doesn't include all of the like great improvements in the past uh, 15 years right. is one of the most uh commonly cited reasons to move and like we need to update it and i started updating it and working with other people to like whittle down the list and when i started whittling down the original list i got from 101 to 39 mm-hmm. and so then i started to start <laughs> finding new reasons mm-hmm. uh that were more updated and uh, next thing i know i had 100 130 pages written after i wrote an explanation for each reason yeah um it's uh, it's out now it's available on kindle and it's going to be available in other formats, but you, you're doing a push right now to try to get people to download this Kindle version, which is free at the moment for the next few days. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, I actually want it to be as free as possible for all time. And by the way, Justin, you apparently are going to sell a paperback of this thing, too. Yeah, the paperback is available as well. That one does have costs to it um, with printing, shipping, and everything through Amazon. Um, Any of the actual proceeds or profits of that are being redirected into two little forms of activism. Um, One is to help cover any additional costs beyond what we fundraise to refilm the documentary. And then following that, uh, we actually have a plan to purchase some voter data from secretaries of state in some of the other tyrannical 49 states. States, and we want to start mailing copies of this just out of the blue mail them to random registered libertarians oh, in other states that's a cool idea and smart justin yeah you mentioned redoing the movie there's a lot of people who saw that movie it came out in 2014 so not quite a decade old but coming up on yeah. it uh, a lot of people have seen that movie and it was a motivator to them in fact just there was somebody over here today 
uh, just I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody that lives in the area came by and just during conversation, he mentioned that he found the Free State Project because of that movie. That was the, what persuaded him uh, to, to make the move here. So we know that not everybody wants to sit down and read a 130 page book. And so you guys are, I imagine, working on the script and the plan for the uh, the updated movie version of this probably as we speak, right? Yeah, the, the difficulty is cutting down 130 pages into a one-hour uh, script, especially because we're, we're doing it just like a similar format to the old one, mm-hmm. but with, you know, much better cameras, much better footage. Same, uh, some of the same people involved in helping out as who did the old one nice. and uh, hired a professional voice actress to do the over-narration, who is also a member of the Free State community. Nice. That's cool. So uh, it's all kind of being kept in the family, so to speak. Everything. Yeah, everything Keeping going the into community. it being kept right. local. That's local cool. right in this community. That's great. And it's interesting that you're shooting for the hour-long length because, obviously, you know, attention spans are limited. And it was, you know, I remember the movie as being this rapid-fire thing because, you know, you're trying to get through 101 items, you know, 101 reasons to move in 60 minutes. I mean, you... You barely have half a minute for each reason. I mean, they really have to hit hit fast. Yeah, you have to hit them fast, and that's where you have to get like really good and creative with the writing. And that's right. why I'm working with some other people to bring this down, where it might be instead of 45 seconds per reason, it might be six or seven minutes per of the categories. Because if mm-hmm. I'm sure you noticed, I broke it up into categories right. and organized the list. So it might just be like four or five to six minutes per category with a mention of each reason and how they fit into that category. Yeah. Was it 2002? Did you do some research, Justin, to find out when the original list came out? There's actually a couple different versions of the original list. Um, there's one the Free State Project put out in about 2006. It was like mm-hmm. more of a PowerPoint slideshow, one that was published online. Uh, the the one I've been working off of as the official list is the mm-hmm. one on 101reasons film.com which went with the movie mm-hmm. and that was actually about 2012 but the original one had to have been before 2003 so when right. when uh when the free state project was formed it was 2001 there was some discussion over you know which state should be the destination new hampshire was chosen overwhelmingly in a vote that happened in 2003 so i'm guessing it must have been either either early 2003 or 2002 when this list came out um, or at least maybe they started working on it in 2002. But anyway, what happened was when they sent out the ballots to the first 5,000 signers of the Free State Project, every one of the 10 candidate states was able to include their own pitch. So there was like there was a, a sheet for Montana, there was a sheet for Vermont, there was a sheet for Maine. You know, 10 different states were in this running, Alaska, Delaware. Uh, the South Dakota, North Dakota, those there, there were several. And New Hampshire had the 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire. And it was so much better, so much more persuasive, just far and away better than the other nine options. And, and that's why, you know, New Hampshire blew these other states out of the water. It, it wasn't even close as far as the numbers between New Hampshire and the second place state, which I believe was Wyoming. I, mean, I think it's easier to move to New Hampshire than pretty much anywhere else that they were choosing. I mean, Florida would have been good second. No, it wouldn't. Florida well, <laughs> had has 20 million people in it. it so you don't think it would be it effective? Un- but they're not they're no. not actually there to like get involved. So we had more of a chance of getting involved here, I guess. So the I mean, look, you know, Florida wasn't even an option because the only options were states that had less than 1.5 million population, and and the, the reality is this is a numbers game. 
Yeah. You've, you've got to have a large number of, of the same kind of person, in this case, liberty-minded people, right. move to a relatively small population state. If we were in Florida, we would have absolutely no effect. There would be we would have zero effect okay. in Florida. You you wouldn't be able to get to the state house in any easy amount of time from most of uh, Florida. Like here, pretty much anywhere you are in the state. I imagine this is one of the reasons, right, Justin? Is the the small size of New Hampshire? The small size and the political accessibility yeah. is a whole section of reasons. In the past four years, I have met more than a handful of movers who first heard of libertarianism from Larry Sharp. Wow, nice. Well, still, there's a lot of people that, yeah. that respect the guy, and it would make a big, it'd be a big deal for him. Sure, to, uh, to, to yeah, it was but, like his second home in New York. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but he's waking people up in New York. Unfortunately, in a state of so many goddamn people that's so big, yeah. he can't make that difference, and like he he can't do it fast enough. But enough of them are going down the rabbit hole and eventually landing on the Free State Project and packing up and moving to where they can actually be free. Yeah, because it is it's all about concentration, it's about the numbers, it's about having a small place where you can easily get from one point to another. I mean, I can drive I'm on the west side of the state, I can drive for 2 hours and I'm on the seacoast, right? So that's right. you know, beyond going all the way up north, which there's usually no reason to go that far north except for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and <laughs> even even that's only two and a half hours yeah. from here, so it's still not uh, it's not so bad. Anyway, we've got the, the list here. You're updating this thing actively, Justin, and uh, folks can go to tinyurl.com slash 101NH. You can get this book for free right now for the next... When's this expire? Sunday? Monday? When's the time limit on this? Through the 14th. So the 15th, it'll cost four ninety nine, and on and on the 15th, I have asked a handful of outlets, um, including yourself mm-hmm. and liberty win and i'm going to be asking the free state project as well to just offer the pdf for free for people who don't want to purchase so it it's good it's, it's good for just anyone uh to just do it and just to help you get uh this promotional phase yep. with amazon too so yeah get over there get that free book and it'll help justin sell more books right by the way welcome reed coverdale thanks for joining us thanks for having me uh, we are talking about the 101 reasons Liberty lives in New Hampshire. You happen to be a New Hampshire native, so you kind of already knew a lot of these things. Have you ever read the list? I have not. You really ought to, because you know, as somebody who's lived here for 15 years now, I've been learning things from this list, Justin. There were some things that yep. you pointed out, some legislative victories that I wasn't aware of. And, you know, I'm not like completely disconnected from that whole process, but there's a thousand bills every year. You're not going to hear about everything that gets through and all the, the things that were meaningful. Yeah, we have over 1,200 bills this year. Oh, my God. So. Oh, jeez. Well, one of the reasons why people should move here is because the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance is here. There's some amazing local organizations that the libertarian community does not have anywhere else. There, there is nothing like the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance anywhere else. Is there, Justin? There actually is in a few states. It's just they're not taken seriously. The level of delusion among libertarian party people everywhere, they, they really feel like liberty is just going to catch fire all of a sudden and that all their efforts are going to pay off. And, Justin, it's just not like that, is it? No, and another thing with New York in particular, what people don't realize is they've gotten on the ballot in the past. In fact, it was a big celebration when they got on the ballot last time with Larry Sharp, and then he got the almost 100,000 votes. And then the New York legislature voted to change the threshold to be more than he got. Oh, okay. So that's what they keep doing in New York is every time the libertarians get a measure of success and grow, the state of New York passes a law to set them back. Which which New uh, New Hampshire did in the 1990s because it used to be, as I understand it, 2%. 
was the requirement for the like the libertarian candidate for governor or U.S. Senate would only have to get two percent in order for the libertarians to be a major party status and the Republicans and Democrats, because that happened in the 90s, they did get the 2% and they were a major party status for it. some number of years. And they said, oh, well, we're going to have to double this number. And so they made it 4%. And that's yeah, where it that's how, I, I believe it was 2% for just governor and they raised oh. it to 4% for governor or Senate. Whoopie doo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the time, the Libertarian Party didn't fight it because their candidate for Senate the previous year had gotten 4%. Mm. So they're like, yeah, we can keep doing that, not realizing that the world was about to become more politically divisive and much more difficult for third parties. Yeah. And the only time I think they've gotten to that 4% was in 2016. They hit 4% on a, a relatively milquetoast uh, candidate back then who didn't really do any kind of campaigning that I'm aware of. I think he just got 4% because no one liked the Republicans and Democrats right. when it was Trump versus Hillary. And so there was like a huge, you know, uh, Gary Johnson got a decent turnout. The The Green Party lady tripled her numbers. So like Gary was, Johnson got 4% in New Hampshire or some other candidate? I don't remember what Gary Johnson got, but uh, but it was the governor candidate that got, oh, okay. got 4%. Yeah. yeah, I think Gary Johnson got close to 5 Our governor's candidate that year got 4 Mm -hmm. uh, percent and uh, he actually for a low budget campaign he raised less than six hundred dollars and uh, did his entire campaign himself all he did was buy yard signs and then he actually moved his yard signs every single day he went <laughs> and picked up the 50 of them put them in a new spot that's picked smart up the 50 put them in a new spot picked them up put them in a new spot every I single day I, i'm not that's i'm not convinced i know reed you spent a ton of time yeah. doing yard signs for jeremy coppin this year but i'm just i'm not convinced they make a difference i really don't neither am i they're trash I, on the side of the it's road. It's just garbage. Yeah. I, I actually looked at yard signs. I, my view on them has evolved over the years I've been involved in politics. Mm -hmm. Where the, When I first got involved, the whole point was go put yard signs out. Go put yard signs out this year. I remember when Bruce Fenton's signs went out, I'm like, oh, man, Bruce is going to lose this election hard. Mm. And I was really upset because all of a sudden Bruce's signs were everywhere. There's he a won ton the of sign money. game. Must have been a on, ton of money. Every every bridge, every street yeah. corner, every intersection in the state. Big had signs, sign. too. He had like five foot, eight foot signs. They were yep. massive. Yep. But I never saw one in somebody's front yard. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Not that I, I don't think it really matters anyway, whether yeah. it's in a front yard or not. It's just like I can't imagine Jeremy Coppin, the Libertarian Party candidate for U.S. Senate, would have done any worse if there were no signs up whatsoever. The level of delusion among Libertarian Party people everywhere, they, they really feel like liberty is just going to catch fire all of a sudden and that all their efforts are going to pay off. And, Justin, it's just not like that, is it? No. And another thing with New York in particular, what people don't realize is they've gotten on the ballot in the past. In fact, it was a big celebration when they got on the ballot last time with Larry Sharp, and then he got the almost 100,000 votes. Yep. And then the New York legislature voted to change the threshold to be more than he got. Oh, okay. So that's Naturally. what they keep doing in New York is every time the libertarians get a measure of success and grow, the state of New York passes a law to set them back. Which which New uh, New Hampshire did in the 1990s because it used to be, as I understand it, 2% was the requirement for the, like, the libertarian candidate for governor or U.S. Senate would only have to get 2% in order for the libertarians to be a major party status and the republicans and democrats because that happened in the 90s they did get the two percent and they were a major party status for it. some number of years and they said oh well we're gonna have to double this number and so they made it four percent and that's yeah, where it's it, that's how I, I believe it was two percent for just governor and they raised oh. it to four percent for governor or senate whoopie doo uh, 
<laughs> yeah. And at the time, the Libertarian Party didn't fight it because their candidate for Senate the previous year had gotten 4%. Mm. So like, yeah, we can keep doing that, not realizing that the world was about to become more politically divisive and much more difficult for third parties. Yeah. And the only time I think they've gotten to that 4% was in 2016. They hit 4% on a, a relatively milquetoast uh, candidate back then who didn't really do any kind of campaigning that I'm aware of. I think he just got 4% because no one liked the Republicans and Democrats right. when it was Trump versus Hillary. And so there was like a huge, you know, uh, Gary Johnson got a decent turnout. The The Green Party lady tripled her numbers. So like Gary was, Johnson got 4% in New Hampshire or some other candidate? I don't remember what Gary Johnson got, but uh, but it was the governor candidate that got, oh, okay. got yeah. 4%. Yeah, I think Gary Johnson got close to 5 Our governor's candidate that year got 4 Four mm-hmm. uh, percent, and uh, he actually, for a low budget campaign, he raised less than six hundred dollars and uh, did his entire campaign himself. All he did was buy yard signs, and then he actually moved his yard signs every single day. He went and picked up the fifty of them, put them in a new spot. That's picked smart. Up the fifty, put them in a new spot. Picked them up, put them in a new spot every I single day. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I know, Reed, you spent a ton of time yeah. doing yard signs for Jeremy Coppin this year, but I'm just, I'm not convinced they make a difference. I really don't. Neither am I. They're trash on the side of the road. It's just garbage. I actually looked at yard signs. My view on them has evolved over the years I've been involved in politics. Mm -hmm. Where When I first got involved, the whole point was go put yard signs out. Go put yard signs out this year. I remember when Bruce Fenton's signs went out, I'm like, oh, man, Bruce is going to lose this election hard. Mm. And I was really upset because all of a sudden Bruce's signs were everywhere. He won the sign game. Must have been a ton of money. Every every bridge, every street yeah. corner, every intersection in the state. Big had signs, sign. too. He had like five foot, eight foot signs. They were yeah. massive. Yeah. But I never saw one in somebody's front yard. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Not that I, I don't think it really matters anyway, whether yeah. it's in a front yard or not. It's just like I can't imagine Jeremy Coppin, the Libertarian Party candidate for U.S. Senate, would have done any worse if there were no signs up whatsoever. Let me share one of these uh, of the 101 reasons why... People ought to move to New Hampshire if they love liberty, if they're liberty activists. This is number 14 from the new list, which, again, is out now. You can go to tinyurl.com slash 101NH. Download it tonight for your Kindle. If you're listening to this on podcast later, download it by the end of the weekend. You've got through, you said, the 15th is when this ends? Yeah, so the 15th, it'll cost four ninety nine. So okay, through so the, the 14th. 14th. Through the 14th, yep. you've got through then to get this thing for free for Kindle, tinyurl.com slash 101NH. Uh, so here's number 14. Liberty-minded legislators, when you do take the opportunity to reach out to your state representatives with concerns or questions, you may be surprised to find that they themselves are free staters or libertarians, sympathetic to your point of view. But I'd like to add that even if not, you can easily reach the so-called representatives. You can here call them yeah. on their phone. And I know that's oh. one of the other ones. Go ahead. All 400 of them have their cell phone numbers on the state website. Yep. If it's not their cell phone, it's their home phone. And you call yeah. and literally like some kid will answer and you have to say, hey, can you put your mom on the line? Like there's, yeah. <laughs> there's no secretary here. Okay. There's no like gatekeeper for these people. They they literally at the, at the, uh, the house level have no staff. The senators do have like a secretary apparently as I understand it, but they have a shared secretary. So each senator doesn't even have their own secretary. Right. It's like one or two per, you know, however many senators there are. So they're incredibly accessible compared to to most places. Like in most places, the only time you see these people is before they get elected. 
That's when they're friendly. That's when they're coming around. Oh, yeah. That's when they're kissing babies and shaking hands mm-hmm. and all that. But as soon as they get into that office, they disappear into that office and only the lobbyists that, you know. I was going to say special interests. Yeah. yeah. They absolutely. That's exactly what was happening in Rhode Island. It was terrible. <laughs> and one of the reasons for that is, of course, because there just aren't as many in every other state. New Hampshire has the largest citizen legislature of all of the 50 states by far. The liberty leaning of that legislature, I mean, the New Hampshire Secretary of State in the House Clerk's Office just certified the election yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even with this new election where it was kind of a, a thin blue wave, I've called it, mm-hmm. uh, we had 50 free staters elected. No kidding. Like actual right. free wow. state. Hold on, just to clarify. Well, that includes re-elections, correct? Right, that includes counts. re-election. Okay. It, still counts. it just yeah. sounds a lot better if you say election. But it's still more, because last time I heard the Free State Project 45. was claiming 40-something. Yeah, so yeah. now just to clarify, when you say Free Staters, are you including New Hampshire natives who didn't move here, or are you including... No. You're including movers. You're just talking about movers. Just talking about movers, Whoa. including the first ever Free Stater to win a state Senate seat. Yes, that's right. Keith Murphy, who, uh, you know, anybody that's ever been to Murphy's Tap Room in uh, Manchester for a Free State Project gathering knows who this guy yes. is, whether you've met him or not. Uh, he's a big entrepreneur, successful uh, businessman, and, and a Free State Project early mover, right? Yeah, early, early mover who's actually involved in the Libertarian Party in Maryland before he moved and then moved to New Hampshire, got elected and started making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Because he's been a state rep. I think he took some time off from state repping. And then uh, he actually had to step into this race because Michael Yakubovich, who is also a Free State Project uh, guy who moved from Russia, had been just doing amazing running as a state rep. He ran as a state senator and then unfortunately came down with some kind of crazy cancer or something in the like the last days of the campaign. So it it was looking really good. It looked like he was going to win and then all of a sudden he got sick. So luckily Keith Murphy was able to step in and, yeah. and just kind of take the God, yeah. take the the baton so to speak and run it across the finish line. So so it looked for a moment like we weren't going to have a free stater uh, senator, and thankfully we actually did end up with first one. one ever. So, yeah, first one. But ever. Yeah, My- Michael Yakubovich himself is actually one of the inspirations um, for the like accessibility of the legislature being such a good reason, mm-hmm. and the accountability of your legislature. When Michael Yakubovich first ran for state representative, he kind of ran on a statist platform, a back the blue kind of mm-hmm. just a typical conservative. And myself and some other free staters in the area in Manchester and Hooksett were complaining about it, and like, no, this doesn't represent us like we don't want to back this mm-hmm. and he took that feedback he reached out to us he asked how he could make up for it mm-hmm. and he spent his two terms in the legislature taking active persuasive feedback from the community and ended up being the uh liberty legislator of the year two years in a row wow yeah he's he's an amazing guy there's no doubt about it unfortunately he's the yeah. one guy i can't uh, he's the one state rep i can't actually talk to under my bail conditions really the federal <laughs> government will not allow me to speak with michael yukubovich so i couldn't even send him best wishes when he got sick there's no community that has the uh, the ability to use alternatives to the dollar like this community. Right. I think it's a, a great community to, if, if you are into crypto, that's, you should be here in New Hampshire. It's one of the biggest concentration of a crypto in New Hampshire than anywhere else in the I world, yeah, right? I, well, I don't know about that. Um, in the tall, United States. Yeah, Tall Bill's going this week down with uh, with some other folks down to the islands in the Caribbean where there's a couple of islands that actually have us beat. Oh, okay. They've got to speed like big time. I don't know if that really counts, though. Big does time. It? But in the U.S., okay. yeah, New Hampshire's uh, Keene and Portsmouth, to a lesser extent, are the the top places to to spend crypto. So, Justin, you know, what are some of the other highlights here for you? Like, you put this book together. What would what would you point out? 
how much I had to leave off. Mm. Um, so I've actually, Jeremy Kaufman has gone on a rant before about, um, he did it on one of our shows for Free State Live about micro freedoms. Uh, every once in a while, you'll be arguing with somebody on Twitter. You'll bring up the Free State Project and say, I can't move until this is changed. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much to change. Um, this, this, this. One of the ones I included was nanobrewery freedom is one of the yep. micro freedoms, uh, about New Hampshire because that one's so unique and other states don't have it. Yeah. And that law is all of, twisted. If, if what I believe what it still is from what I remember what it was, um, yeah. is that you need to provide beer for every, or uh, you need to be available to provide beer for every bar or something like that. The no, ability no, to do no, that. No, no, that's not, um, I don't no. know. No. So in New Hampshire, it's there's a law that says if you're making less than two thousand barrels of your custom beer each year, you don't have to like pay taxes on it. Oh wow! You can just do it at home. You don't need the licenses or to do anything like that. The licensing fee is like petty. It's like twenty dollars, and uh, there's a, it's a just rubber stamp approval, and that's why we have like a great cottage industry of like craft beer here in New Hampshire is because oh, it's so true. open to that. Um, it was other states, states, by the way, that pushed that yep. bill. Right. Yeah. Um, but like those, my, there's too many of those little nuanced things to include. It'd mm-hmm. be a thousand and one reasons <laughs> if we included all of them. Um, but libertywind.org is actually a great resource. If, if there's something, a nano freedom, a micro freedom you care about that's not included in the book, check out libertywind.org. It's a wiki. It's an open source uh-huh. collaborative project of a bunch of, uh, not just free staters, just liberty minded people in New Hampshire that have put together a list of all of the liberty wins in the past 20 years. We're going to go to Jessica. She's in Missouri. Jessica, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I wanted to talk about qualified immunity for the police. All right. Is that when you give the police, you put them above the law, put them on a pedestal, and they can do anything they want to do. They can smash your door in. They can destroy your home. They can kill you. They can beat you down. And there is nothing that you can do about it. There's no recourse. There's no, um, you know, you can't sue the police. You can't sue the government. You know, they're going to do anything. And then to top that off, the police are not the brightest people alive. And they're also not the most well-adjusted either. So you put crazy and dumb people Yo, and tell them they can do anything they want to do right. to anyone they want to do it, and and see what happens. It's Crazy, like, yeah, dumb, violent Je- dogs. Jessica, you have to. Uh, the, the, I mean, the only people they can hire are dumb people because the laws are so stupid that only dumb people are willing to enforce them. Right. Yeah, but the the thing is, is that when you put dumb and or crazy people in charge of doing anything to anyone else. And then on top of it, you give them immunity so no one mm-hmm. can do anything about it. That's right. Do you, you guys remember when they were advertising for the Manchester? Yes. The Manchester, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, Jessica, but here in New Hampshire, the Manchester Police Department is the largest uh, PD in New Hampshire. They were literally advertising in a job posting on Facebook and they advertised qualified immunity as one of the perks. It's actually actually Justin earlier uh, that we had on mm-hmm. uh, for the 101 Reasons New Hampshire. He actually is the one that uh, pushed for that to be taken down. So and it did get taken credit, down. Credit to him. But they still have qualified immunity. So it's like, okay, you oh, took oh, the yeah, down, yeah. But, but it's not, it's not a benefit of the job. Right. You know? 
Yeah, they said it out loud. Yeah, yeah. and uh, people were uh, understandably upset about it. But until qualified immunity gets taken out, like ended completely, yes. uh, it will still continue to attract psychopaths to those uh, positions who know they and will there's literally plenty get away out with there. It. Yeah, and they know they can what do I, things like I beat don't... you and and kill your dog. Yeah, but what I don't understand is, you know, it's, it's just human nature, especially when the human beings are donored in hell. It's like you put them in charge, and then you say, well, you can do anything you want to do. Nobody can do anything about it. And then if you complain and, and the Internal Affairs Division get it, oh, they, they'll investigate it. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for For veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government, there may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. Do you want to mention the police report that you got? Oh, yeah. You mean the 18-page police report? I mean, you haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but can you kind of, you know, any highlights that you want to share from uh, Yeah, I think uh, I think the cop's word is uh, pretty accurate in the sense that I walked over to the sidewalk, mm-hmm. into public After you sidewalk. were told to leave by the c- yep. campus security. It says it right in the report that I walked over to a public sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And then that direction that I walked to, to that public sidewalk, from there, I walked at a, a diagonal closer to even the street when mm. i approached bulldog that's so, what they said no 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 that's, that's what the, you said? that's the visual in the video okay. so if they said i walked to the sidewalk which i did and then i went to go cross sidewalks to meet up with don i was still not on that property yep but they arrested you for trespass and yeah. so-called disorderly conduct oh you mean when the security the head of security put his hands on me and pushed you and pushed in? me toward the property yeah maybe i was trespassing at that point when he pushed, he pushed me pushed toward <laughs> the property. Can you see that happen in the video? I believe you can. You, okay. you, you see his hand go on my shoulder, which is unwanted touch, mm-hmm. and he has no authority to put hands on people. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, pretty wild situation, and that one is continuing yeah. to develop. You've, you've retained an attorney, I believe, or you are about to retain an yes. attorney. Yes. We won't say who. Uh, but that Correct. is, you know, you're moving, you're getting the gears moving here Absolutely. towards a potential, uh, potential lawsuit. Maybe do you have to get through the criminal part first before it you can be the way to go? I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm mm-hmm. not a lawyer. Okay. But your arraignment is coming up on, uh, December 1st. My birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Y'all welcome to join. <laughs> in, uh, Goffstown this time, I think, right? It's not in Manchester. Correct. It's in I, Goffstown. I believe. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, let's talk about the election here. Reed, you said during one of the breaks that you thought this one maybe wasn't so great for freedom. Where are you coming from on that? Oh, well, I mean, I don't disagree with anything Justin said. I mean, it's fine, but I you just mean wish... more free staters than ever. Getting yeah, elected? no, it's good. It's pretty awesome. Right, but I wish we, I wish we'd sent a strong message with the. I know the national elections don't matter, but I would have liked to seen Jeremy, you know, at least break four percent and 
because a lot of people it's are hard. looking at us right now and they're hearing about us and then when they see a liber you know those are the races that get the attention so mm-hmm. when they see such a small number and then a democrat winning by 10 points against the republican it is kind of unfortunate i was hoping that the polls were accurate and it was going to be a nail biter you know down to the mm-hmm. decimal points and then he would get you know enough to spread the difference between them and cause a controversy but the way it turned out we can't even we can, they can't even blame us even if they want to you know no. it's like such a such a huge so bad i think we actually have major pain on the line here major you're on free talk live go ahead this election full pot here. I think it was Pennsylvania elected the dead man. That's right. Yeah, Democrat Tony DeLuca, the longest running Pennsylvania state rep at 39 years, died of lymphoma at age 85 last month, but yet was reelected <laughs> this week in a landslide. Not to be confused with Fetterman. He's just almost dead, but not <laughs> actually dead. I've all I've always known that the dead voted Democratic, but I never thought they'd elect one of their own. <laughs> That's a, that's a new twist. Major, hear this. 86% of the vote. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's wow. I guess nobody reads the obituaries in Pennsylvania. No. They would rather have someone dead. You know, either this, uh, you, there's two ways I think that you can look at this. One, and this is probably the mo- most likely way, is people just don't know anything about what they're voting for. Or they right? honored him. Or. They really would rather have a dead guy as a as a state rep, which is like you know maybe they actually care about freedom. Maybe that's why they voted for for a dead guy. I, that's probably not the case though. It's just got to be lack of information and uh, name recognition. Yeah, well, I think and, that's it. And just like what the Fetterman election, we're also going to have a special election coming soon because I think the Fetterman election was a special. special election so something fun you know this is what bothers me about republicans who are always talking about stolen elections because they don't have to steal the elections they they have them basically rigged so they did early voting for fetterman 70 percent of fetterman's votes came before his disastrous debate appearance oh wow Hmm. and so it's not that they have to manufacture votes in the middle of the night or something like that they don't even have to do that they just (laughs) like hide their candidates do a bunch of early voting and make sure all the democrats are registered and bust them to the polls Mm -hmm. to vote and everything and it's amazing republicans ever win anything actually if you look at it they've gotten a lot more creative over the years i remember when al franken squeaked through they found like five boxes in the trunk of a 67 (laughs) so this isn't a Uh uh, the first time a dead guy has won as you may recall i remember from the year 2000 i thought it might have been 2004 but according to uh, CNN.com, the late Governor Mel Carnahan collected enough votes to beat out incumbent Republican Senator John Ashcroft for the U.S. Senate seat. So if you remember Ashcroft, that name was from the Bush administration. He was like the top dog in the Department of Homeland Security or something like that at one point under Bush. What state and, was this? Huh? What state was it? Uh, That's a great question. Missouri. Put it more in perspective for everyone listening is like, do you know how much money the Jeremy Kaufman campaign actually spent 
And how much do you think, like, Maggie or Bulldog actually oh, spent? Oh, wow. How yeah. much did... Do you know how much Jeremy spent? Or? I, I am not familiar. I just... I you know, you worked for the campaign, roughly, so. I think it was roughly $1,000 per video. I heard a rumor. I don't know if that's true. Okay, let's just say uh, less than $10,000 for the whole campaign. That seems fair. Yeah. Maggie probably spent, what, multi-millions? Millions. $26 million is the number I heard. Right. For what percentage final. of the vote and what percentage did Jeremy spend that's for his percentage? That's a good percentage. point. Dollar and for dollar. Exactly. He did very well, right? Yes. But then again, then the question becomes, if you spent zero... Would it have done any? Would it have done anything? Yeah. Probably would have been not much difference. And that's the thing is like, that's one of the problems with running these campaigns is like you don't ever get to compare apples to apples. You don't get to see the alternative right. reality where yep. Reed didn't spend you know an entire week of his life putting up signs in in Cheshire County yeah. to to then find out that it was worth you know, it. Well, it, was it like, didn't do anything. I'm from Rhode Island, and uh, there's this candidate, Bull Moose Party, Robert Healy. Mm-hmm. He's passed away since, but uh, he, last time he ran for governor. Uh, he, all he did was spend thirty five dollars on the application fee to run for governor. So, <laughs> and yeah. he got thirty five percent of the vote. Yeah, and his opponent Gina Raimondo now like some Biden czar or something. She poured money in, right? She spent twenty two million dollars to get <laughs> to get fifty five percent of the vote. Yeah, like guys, do you guys see the picture yet? Yeah, that it, this money is what's making you win, not the morality of it all. Right. You know, I just think, you know, there are a lot of libertarians from other states who are saying, oh, look, your edgy, uh, you know, your edgy messaging didn't get you anywhere, did it? And to blame it on the edgy messaging is ridiculous because the edgy messaging was by far the most successful part of the campaign. Like the videos got, got over a, a million views, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and the LP New Hampshire's made it into international news several times. It's the largest yep. uh, Twitter account of the affiliates now. So to criticize the campaign for the messaging is just ridiculous. There's yeah. no proof that uh, <laughs> I don't know what his messaging was, but there was a guy in Georgia that got around two percent as well. Now in that yeah. case, it was enough to to be a, a quote unquote well, spoiler. Yeah. But you know, I never heard anything about him being edgy. But he no. got about the same the same yeah. percentage. So it's like libertarians kind of just get what they get because they're ignored for mm-hmm. the most part by the mainstream. Yeah, Jeremy may have made and the LPNH may be making a splash outside of New Hampshire. Let's go to Crichton. He's on the line in Kentucky. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi. Um, earlier you, in, the, in the show, you guys were talking about um, uh, how police become this, this organization of, of, of tyrants, but that's related to the iron, iron law of bureaucracy coined by uh, Jerry Parnell in the 1970s. And this is a social law uh, that basically states that there are two types of people that join any organization. The first type is the type that honestly believes in the propaganda. They join the organization because they want to be part of that, Mm -hmm. what they imagine as the organization is. The second type doesn't believe in the propaganda. They join the organization because they they know it benefits them. The first type of person eventually becomes disillusioned and often quits. The second part second type of person gets promoted and eventually takes control of the organization. And that's why when you meet a cop out in the, in the wherever, and you know that they've been a cop more than five years, your life is in danger at that point. Because uh, hmm, they're more likely to be why, the second group is what you're saying? They're guaranteed to be the second group after f- five or six years. Mm-hmm. Because in, in that organization, to do the things that you need to do, if you're the first kind of person, the true believer, that when you joined it, you wanted to be the, the person to serve and protect, you stopped believing in it 
by the time you're, you're five years in right. and you do something else. Uh, that's why there's so many police that quit in the first mm. five years, because those are the kind of people that you wanted to be a cop. But it's the second time they get promoted to be sergeant and, and desk sergeant and on up that you don't want to be cops. They I, become this, this soft corruption kind of organization. And there really isn't a way to break that up and mm. that anyone's ever been able to figure There's out. A way. But, and you could you go out well, and you film the rookies. And I, I feel like the rookies, once they get more pressure on them and they already have pressure on them from bad cops teaching them, that they may be able to turn themselves around. I don't know. Since Bulldog lied, and he's a part time. I mean, it doesn't matter. Okay, he's lied on on record. Yeah, like I mean, obviously, whatever his mouth is. I don't know the flip. <laughs> I don't know flip flopping political, you know, ideas uh, is qualifier for this. But certainly, when you accuse someone of hitting, being hit by, and you actually the one that threw an elbow, um, yeah. does that put you on the Lori list? Which you have to describe for listeners what that is. Okay, so the Lori list is proven cops that have lied on reports or on the stand. And so... They have credibility issues. Yes, credibility issues that yeah. cannot be trusted. And this list was hidden for decades. It still is, sort and of. finally it was forced to be, by lawsuit, it was forced to be revealed this year. But, okay, year. now it's out. But they the only way to reveal who's actually on the list is... Every time you go to court, you put in an inquiry, hey, is this officer on the Lori list? Oh, really? I think that's the only way you can reveal the names. Mm. So, please, anytime you go to court in New Hampshire, ask, ask to find out if they're on the Lori list or not. And, and then that's how we can reveal. Yes. And once you find out there, it's yes, their credibility is out the window and you win. Right, because they're probably the only witness against you in most right. of these cases. Right. They should just not work. They should just not be cops. How's that yeah. sound? So we don't have all these untrustworthy cops running around our streets. How's that? So, Reed, uh, to go back to the election results, you were saying, I don't remember if it was something you said on the air or off the air, but we were talking about how the National Libertarian Party is just absolutely dismal as far as right. its results are concerned. It's been five decades now. They were created in the early 70s, and they've really not gotten anywhere as far as you know growth. Like, if they yeah. were having success, they would be growing. They're right? actually regressing. I mean, two cycles ago, they did way better than this last time you're talking about uh gary johnson? gary johnson yeah well look i think in that case it was a total fluke sure it no, wasn't I because agree. it wasn't because gary johnson was a good uh, no. candidate he sucked right and you know he sucked in 2012 and he, sucked just, he was just as bad in 2016 it was that the people who were voting they really didn't want to vote for donald yeah. trump and they really didn't want to vote for hillary so oh who's this guy eh, whatever check I think even uh, 2018, though, the midterms went way better for libertarians, right? Didn't Larry Sharp did pretty good in 2018 for a he libertarian. He was on the ballot, at least. And yeah, this, Unlike this time. <laughs> I mean, so things are going backwards is all I'm saying yeah. as a general rule. It's ugly, and it's not going to get any better. And of course, that's why the Free State Project was formed. I thought one of the things that, I think it was Jeremy Kaufman actually did this at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I think it was this year, maybe it was last year. Anyway, he got up on stage and he read the speech, or gave a speech, but it was actually Jason Soren's, uh, the thing that he wrote when he founded right. the Free State Project 20 years prior to that, just excoriating the Libertarian Party for being completely useless and never getting anywhere and never growing. And it was just as true in 2021 or 2022 as it was in 2001 or 2002, whenever it was first written. Literally nothing had changed for the, the Libertarian Party nationally in two decades since the Free State Project was founded. But in New Hampshire, 
we're seeing libertarians actually winning election. Not as libertarians, but as Republicans, and a few over the years as Democrats. Actually, the first uh, Free State Project member to get elected was a Democrat. We were just talking off the air about, you know, what liberty-minded candidates ought to do. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with running in one of these other two major parties. They've been infiltrating the national LP, right? Like, that's the big complaint about, uh, from, from my perspective, was... We were getting the national LP was getting watered down by all these conservative types coming in there and literally, you know, running Republicans for three presidential campaigns. Yeah. Bob Barr, Gary Johnson, then Gary Johnson again. I mean, it was just disappointment after disappointment. So why can't we do the same thing to them? Yeah. And the thing is, when you're running, especially if you're running a local race, if you're running for sheriff or state representative or something, it's not like you have to you know become a lobby you don't have to get lobbied by apac or something to do that. No, <laughs> you know it's just a local you're not get lobbied run. by anything yeah it's just a it's a letter next to your name so who cares you know and i mean i i think the libertarian party has some value and i'd really love to see the libertarian party get that threshold so that we could uh, have fusion candidates i think that sure. would be great but if you're currently thinking of running to win the next election just do it as a Republican, like if it's about winning in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, because yes. this this will not work in Florida. No, and I know that there's some supposed libertarians who advocate for this. Oh, just take over the Republican Party. You have no chance. No, mm. especially yeah. dude. So I I do have, I want to talk about Florida a little bit because I think the criticism that if a governor gets in there who's a Democrat could dismantle everything. I don't think that works anymore. I don't know if you looked at Florida. But they are heavy, heavy red now mm-hmm. across the board. Like state legislature, state senate, uh, senate race, uh, house race, and governor. It's all they are solid, solid red. It's it's not going to do anything for freedom. Sure, but I don't think a lot of people in Florida are really concerned about freedom no. as much. You do have to admit though, their project is working for what they want. I wish, like, I want us to be as successful. What at libertarianism as they are at like right wing but what's the project there's no project. become like hardcore republicans <laughs> i think is what their it's project sad. is like, the only way that you can carry a rifle around in florida is you if you're fishing yeah it if sounds fishing it sounds republican man yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> i'm saying they've been very successful at becoming republican yeah. i know that's not what we want if you but... love cops get yeah, to florida exactly they got plenty <laughs> sure. of cops you can't even go fishing with your rifle uh, without yeah. cops bothering you in Florida. But you'd have to admit, it's impressive that they've... <laughs> I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's impressive that they've transformed a swing state into like a, a, a big mm. swing state with millions of people in it to a hard right-wing Republican bastion. And, and I like say more one, power to them. The sure. more you know, conservatives that we can convince to move to Florida, the better. Because I don't want them here, and I, I don't want the liberals liberals yeah. here either. They should move to New I York. I agree with what... I, I think you said it on Twitter. Like I don't... Um, it might have been you. I forget who it was, but I don't want to attract conservatives to New Hampshire. That's not our I think goal. It was Bonnie, I think. Who, okay, uh, yeah. Who said that. I mean, yeah. I agree with that. Like, I mean, I don't think they make things any better. You know, if we're gonna be running Don Baldicks, like, I'm not really sure yeah. <laughs> what help oh, that does God. to us. I so, yeah, I, and and she was referring to like these low information people that'll say, "Oh, you guys went all blue." Yeah, you guys don't like uh, freedom because you didn't look vote at the for statewide Republicans. races like, at all. Yeah, they don't look at the statewide races. This is not just like some sort of theoretical thing anymore. It was 20 years ago. It was like, oh, here's a cool idea. Let's try this. Well, now it's a proven working system that is unbeatable. We are infiltrating the old parties now. And one of the interesting things that that happened over the last 
48 hours and the election results coming out is some of the Democrats are like trying to grave dance and like, ha ha ha, oh, free staters, you guys got crushed. Well, actually, no, according to the numbers, more free staters were elected than ever before. But don't you know, Don Baldick and Carolyn Levitt getting crushed <laughs> really makes libertarianism look bad. That's what they want you to believe. I know. And that's how USA. clueless. Yeah, that's how clueless. Yeah, the guy who are. the guy who had a libertarian wrongfully arrested lost and that means liberty's losing you yeah. know that's what they want to believe and that's <laughs> that's what they may actually believe and that's fine they can believe that yeah if they want it was so Not funny to get paid you know because you you sort of ran <laughs> you sort of ran up to him in that video and people were asking me no we were jogging this, side by side <laughs> has this guy ever run up to maggie hassan and i was like yes and i shared that video yeah. from the week before where you like got right inside the line of you know what's, right? what's funny and- is that um in my uh police report uh here they were talking to the Maggie San, San campaign and that uh, I became physically disruptive in the last one, too. Actually, no, I wasn't. And uh, I guess I have the only footage of this. I guess you, you got to take my attacked. word. It's good footage, You can take though. my word. I was pushed. I gave my pushback as I am holding my space. And he continues to push me and then slaps my phone out of my hand. Yep. Guess who's added to the defamation suit? Ah, I would say so. You're taking it to both parties. Well, he defamed me further on after being, uh, <laughs> after I assaulted Don Baldock. You're talking about the guy that attacked you at the Maggie Hassan. I thing? can't remember his name. I, that's how You're much just I an care equal about these people. Opportunity assaulter, you know. This isn't the first centralized exchange. This one, this one, the most recent one called FTX. Not the first to go. And it isn't going to be the last. We got Greg on the line here with us in New York. You've been watching this. You're uh, in the crypto industry. Greg, your thoughts? My thoughts, yeah. I liked crypto when it was decentralized. Remember when Bitcoin started? It in response to the banks in 2008. Right. Being bailed out, right? And, and playing fast and loose with customers' deposits and stuff, right? Yep. So, and, you know, those guys have hundreds of years of practice of what to do. But it seems that the crypto industry now has huge centralized players and whales, and they seem to be playing with customer deposits too, which to me is like a few things happen in crypto space, which I'd like to see cleaned up. That's partially, you know, why I'm running what I'm doing with Intercoin. But like what I'd like to see, first of all, is that now any schmuck can create their own smart contract. And mm-hmm. people have done that. They have memes since 2020, like meme coins, right? which have no utility as talking about this in another call. And so it could be anything. It could be any coin. But it used to be at least I could trust Dogecoin to not rug pull me or have like a weird like bug in the contract on line 32. Can right? you describe but what now, a rug pull is? So, yeah, rug pull is, well, technically a rug pull is just when they take out the liquidity from a decentralized exchange. But it came to mean any sort of thing that just makes you lose money in a weird way. So, for example, if a contract... It's a, it's has, a good, arguable excuse they can use that's legal or something like that, is what you're saying? It, it, it's getting the rug pulled on from under you. It's basically saying that, you know, in the past when I bought Bitcoin or I bought, you know, Dogecoin, I could worry about different things. But one thing I would not worry about is, hey, what if the Dogecoin network just transfers my funds to some account for no reason, right? Like, uh, like I'm not worried about that. But with these other, with with these, like, now anyone can create a smart contract. And the problem is that I can't trust the smart contract. I'm not going to read 
sit there trying to understand every single smart contract. Sure. So the and whole most people aren't. Is, most ninety nine percent of people who get involved in these smart contracts, they haven't looked at the code. Exactly. It's like those codes with Microsoft. It's like the user agreement. You're not going to read that. You're just going to sign it and use the software, right? Right. You're going to take a risk. And, you know, you know th- these people should know they're taking a risk. I mean, if you don't know by now to not store your funds on a centralized mm-hmm. Bitcoin exchange, you are going to find out the hard way at some point. Maybe the exchange is going to get hacked and you're going to lose a portion of your money yes. or all of it. Or maybe the exchange is just going to crash and burn and you're going to lose the, all your money. And, and then these people on FTX, there were literally people posting on social media today saying that they had their entire life savings on this exchange and now it's all gone. I think people should should know... A DEX, D-E-X is a decentralized exchange, and those are the ones that I would prefer instead of, like, you know, these larger exchanges. I've been convinced uh, recently that XRP is uh, a good game because uh, they have this thing called the Canary Network uh, or the Canary, like, uh, mine, where they they test these protocols uh, and to see if it's successful or not. And it's not like an actual working crypto yet. And then they decide, oh, yeah, actually, it is performing the way we want it to perform. And so they then they instate it into... Well, a lot of cryptos have that. It's called a test net. Yeah, test net, yes. That's but, pretty common. But the way that they're doing it and the way that they're functioning it just makes more sense than whatever I've, I've seen other ones do. Uh, just kind of like it's doing that process where you don't are reading all the terms and conditions on these things. Uh, you're not reading the protocols and... You actually know that it's coming out of the canary, then it's actually a viable thing. So it's it's been tested. You know what I'm saying? It's well, you don't ever know unless you no, actually you read the code yourself and you're a programmer. Right. You have to take somebody else's word for it, which is one of the reasons why Trust is big you never this. want to put money into something you can't afford to lose. And that's the huge mistake that these people are making is they're literally putting their entire life savings right. into somebody else's hands. They put their life savings into this dude who is such a dork, like he can't even sit up straight. He's he's overweight. He's out of shape. He's he is just Don't embarrass- me. he's embarrassing. He's an embarrassing human specimen. And <laughs> and he they just trusted him with billions of dollars. And then he just goes and he gambles it. According to the Wall Street Journal, this bank man had uh 10 billion plus dollars 16 billion sorry 16 billion in customer assets and then it lent more than half of it to its sister company which then proceeded to invest it and gamble it on various different things in cryptocurrency and apparently they backed uh, their own company with their own token but he's sorry yeah he's, he's well, sorry to be now fair, by by the way to be fair that guy was sort of like uh, J.P. Morgan, who was going around and trying to rescue all the banks. This guy tried to go and rescue all the failing crypto companies. Right. But you know what brought him down? What brought him down is a public feud with CZ, the guy who runs the biggest exchange, which is Binance. Mm-hmm. And that guy was like, hey, I'm sitting on $2 billion of your token, and you're pissing me off. I'm just going to, like, dump your token. And these guys went, Oh yeah, we'll buy it at twenty cent, twenty dollars or twenty two dollars, and they tried to defend that price, but the sheer amount that was being dumped, they couldn't do it. And then people were like, "Oh, let's do a run on the exchange." So literally, if this guy would just not pick a fight with the biggest, uh, mm. the only guy bigger than him, then he would have probably been fine. But that's what I mean. What with all these centralized players? Well, that's it's the thing. Crazy. He had a huge ego. This dude was literally buying. 
advertising featuring his face. Oh, boy. Like most crypto exchanges, they have a logo, right? Like they have the logo in their, you know, crypto.com or Kraken or whatever, and they promote their logo. Every ad with this guy. It had his face on it. How come I'm only seeing for the first time then? Because it's like... Well, you didn't live in a big city. Reed, you're pretty new to the whole cryptocurrency scene. As I understand it, you didn't get any crypto before you even moved back to New Hampshire. Correct. The first crypto I got was from you guys for... Right, from Free Talk Live. Not from me. I don't don't send or touch crypto, but some people around here are still authorized to do those things. Um, but yeah, every now and then some of our co-hosts get, get a little, uh, a little something for, for coming out here because gas isn't cheap these days, but, um, oh, Hey, it's all the way down to three seventy, three eighty, or what? <laughs> three, nine, eight. I, think I, I think I saw three eighty nine on the way. A historic achievement tonight. for Biden. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're, you're listening to this conversation about this crypto exchange. I mean, you're pretty much an outsider. What do you think when you hear about centralized crypto exchanges failing? I mean, does it say, speak to you in any way? Well, I used to be a complete skeptic of crypto. I was like a Peter Schiff gold bug oh, really? type of guy. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've become more agnostic about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it is a religion. Almost all of it is. Like gold is a religion. Crypto is a religion. Uh, fiat is a religion. You you're know, saying like, that it's like a belief system? Yeah. Okay. And you're, it's either you're all in or you think it's stupid. And I'm kind of in the middle now. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I think there's something to it. But they're just like, you know, how Peter Schiff's been wrong about gold so many times saying it was going to go up to $70,000 or whatever. And, <laughs> but then people are the same with Bitcoin. Like, they're like, oh, it's going to be the world reserve currency soon. Or it's no. going to be, you know, and it's like, nah, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of somewhere in the middle on it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, and it is very religious. A lot of it is very religious where you get people who are these sort of adherence to the one true crypto. Sure. Like, oh, well. You know, Bitcoin is the only true crypto. These people are called Bitcoin maximalists. And then there's people who believe that you mentioned XRP, uh, Joe. This is Ripple. And they call themselves the XRP army. And no other crypto can be the true, you know, the one true crypto. I mean, it's just, it's a very religious thing. It sounds a lot like the different religious schisms and things like that. And sure. and in crypto, you can literally have a schism, right? So well, in, in 2017... It could be like a Baptist, cryptist, or like a Catholic, or <laughs> yeah. a Pentecostal, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, rightfully, it's, rightfully so, it's religious. Uh, because, you know, you look back into history, a lot of religions surrounded their methodologies around, you know, having a sound money. I mean, look at Jesus, he flipped the money changer tables, mm-hmm. right? And I always like to say that. It, it's nice to say that because it's the only time he really like acted out and he like was something. like kind of like violent of yeah. sorts. Um, and he was like, no, 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 you're not going to put the image of Caesar on our coins mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't remember. No, it was um, setting up, uh, they were selling stuff at the temple, like turning it into a, a, uh, a auctioneer market. market center. Yeah. Right. Well, of course, the governments have been clipping coins for as long yes. as they've, you know, basically had coins. They've been shaving them, clipping them. Mixing them with uh, the other metal. Right. Well, debasing them. Yeah. yeah. And so they've had these meth- methods of robbing people and, and essentially inflating the, the money supply before the last hundred years where they, or hundred or so years, where they finally cooked up, uh, you know, true fiat currency where they can literally just print it into existence. They don't even need to have gold. Uh, anymore so there's always been this process that, of debasing currency which is why a lot of people are really into at least from the libertarian perspective are into cryptocurrency because they yeah. see it as a way out 
from this government-controlled system. And to that extent, it is, right? Like, there is that reality. That is a reality with cryptocurrency is that the state doesn't control it. Right. So I, I'm agree with, I agree with you, uh, Reed. I, like, I, I am not a religious... Uh, like, I'm not religious for one crypto or another, but I mm-hmm. am of the belief that cryptocurrency is a really important technology for the advancement of, of humankind. I don't know which one's going to be the the winner, you know, when all's mm-hmm. said and done, if ever all will be said and done. Like right now, Bitcoin's the the winner because it was there first. So it had that head start, that that network effect. I think there's someday some's probably going to, you know, take it off the the king of the mountain, so to speak. What that's going to be, I have no idea. Right. I I don't I don't see how I'm you fascinated. can even guess or predict what that would be. Mm-hmm. I would say it's any any coin that you truly believe in, and like we have enough of those people that have true believers, then that's the coin that's going to rise up. Somebody whose uh, future on media may not be so bright is uh, Alex Jones. Latest news out of the uh, Connecticut courtroom. Yikes. He's now being ordered to pay $473 million more. On top of 900 or whatever on it was. On top of 950 <laughs> oh or 60 or so. Yeah, 965 million was the original order for so-called compensation. And now this is the damages portion of the handout. $473 million. So, you know, total all that up. And then he had the other $45 million that came out of the Texas court. You're talking about, you know, $1.5 billion, basically. At, Boy, at he needs point. to win the Powerball. <laughs> yeah. Or or a nuclear war, so that way he can sell his iodine. Oh, yeah. by, the, by the way. <laughs> his pills. Yeah. They have frozen his assets at this point. That's something else that came out of well, this. Well, that makes no today. sense. They don't want him sending it from, you know, his account to somebody else or overseas uh, or whatever. Oh, buying geez, cryptocurrency, that sort of thing. We're gonna so, start seeing him sleeping in the studio. It's gonna be funny. Well, it's not funny. I mean, it's. it's I mean, it's it's, it's sad. Tragic. It's tragic. But I mean, come on. It this guy should have been prepared for all this. I, do, do you, you guys wonder if he's an op, like a government agent? Exactly. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, he's done nothing but sensationalize the hell out of every, you know, deviation from the official narrative. So he completely discredits any. Any deviation from what they're telling us is true because then he just pumps it full of so much crap and so much ridiculous, mm. um, you know, flair. And then on top of that, he's been the guy who's kind of spearheaded uh, social media censorship. And now he's the guy who's spearheading getting your socks sued off for pushing, you know, an alternative to the official narrative. It makes me wonder if he's all there by you know on purpose even if he's not actually like a government agent it makes me wonder if he's just the perfect dummy to right. you know fill that position yeah i don't know because he no i've been saying that for many <laughs> many 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 years yeah i i, I listen this alex jones I'm, I'm not gonna lie i woke up to a lot of alex jones stuff mm-hmm. but that's like when he actually was saying like the right things you know i i felt like i don't know when he came out what was that movie endgame was that End- the obama one it was right around the time Obama was starting to run, and like they. Okay, yeah, there was one called Obama Deception, I think. Oh yeah, well, that yeah. was pretty good too. Endgame came before that. I think so. Yeah. Endgame was like his first big one. Anyways, he's had a lot of big movies. There's, though, I mean, there's the some years. of them that were good, but like when documentaries actually cared, people cared about watching them. Uh, right. And it's just all changed, but I don't know. I think Alex. Uh, yeah, I think he he was kind of you know part of the system in many ways. He was, well, he was definitely Trump. pushing Trumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trump. I'm kidding. 
You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.